Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and blessings and welcome to another installment of The Gist of Freedom is Faith. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author Leslie Gist and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African-American experience by honoring all the people, past and present, black and white, who with faith and focus are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we'd love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347-324-5552. Sister Ayana Fanzan. I have a wonderful cold, so I um, I need as much energy as I can get. So I need you to give me as much as you would want me to give you this evening. I've been on the road since the 8th of January, um, and this is it. So I am so glad to see y'all. Is tomorrow. I want to ask if you will please to just turn around and look at a sister or brother, look at your neighbor behind you, next to you, make eye contact with somebody. And I want you to repeat after me and say, neighbor, neighbor. oh neighbor, oh, I see something in your eye. Now answer your neighbor by saying, neighbor, neighbor. oh neighbor, oh, it's the beauty of you. Now give your neighbor a hug so that we can get some energy moving in the room. We come into a room. Oh, they having their little hug fest over there. Go on now. Hug people. Of course, Martha Bright would still be hugging people. Now, she got to come hug me, so I have to bend down, bend my knees. All right. I accept. <laughs> we come in a room with one another. Breathe in the same air. And don't even look around to see who's behind you until today. Make sure that when you come into a room with other people where you're going to be breathing air and sharing life force, that you look around to see whose life you are sharing and what's around you because the resource that you need may be sitting right behind you or right next to you. So we want to make sure that we do that. I want to ask you, if you will now, to just reach out and take your neighbor's hand. If you're sitting next to a neighbor, if nobody's next to you, reach behind you or across from you or wherever you can go. And all together, I want us to just just take a deep breath in and let that go. And if we can take another one and let it out with a nice ah. Now I want to ask you to disconnect your brain. That means close your eyes. Nothing for you to see. Let's turn within for a moment. 
And if you could take another nice deep breath in and turn that, let that out with a nice mmm. And really feel the hand of the person you're holding. Feel that life and allow that energy to flow through you. And to realize that you're not alone here on this planet, on this walk, on this journey. That you are connected to the flow of life. This is the first time, either as a student or an alumnus of Medgar Evers, I first walked through the doors of Medgar Evers in 1978. And this is the first time in 20 years that I've come into this building. When Dr. Betty Shabazz wasn't present here, on her way here, or having just left here. So I just want to give honor to that and her spirit in this place and all that she contributed to my life, to my growth, to my energy, right here in, in Megar Evers College. Let's take a deep breath together. Let it out with a nice ah. Holy Spirit, fall fresh on us today. Fall fresh on our hearts, on our minds. Fall fresh in this room today. Fall fresh on those who have come here in pain, in confusion. Fall fresh on those who have come here with silent prayers in their heart that they haven't had the courage to speak. Holy Spirit, fall fresh on us today. For you know our needs even before we ask. You know that some are in this room not knowing where the next meal is coming from. Some are in this room making a mighty, mighty sacrifice just to be here in this place today. Holy Spirit, fall fresh on someone today that they may know that they are not alone. That they don't have to do it by themselves. That you can make a way out of no way. Fall fresh on someone today and awaken the genius that lies dormant in their DNA. For we know that you did not send us here without the exact equipment we need to make it through this journey. Holy Spirit, fall fresh on us today because some of us have forgotten how divine we are. Some of us are in places and mindsets and conditions that we have long outgrown, but we don't know what step to take now. Holy Spirit, fall fresh on us today. Fall fresh on our path that it may be illumined. Fall fresh on our minds and our consciousness that they may be enlightened. Fall fresh on our hearts that they may be healed and open to the goodness that is you. Fall fresh on us today. These things we ask, acknowledging and recognizing that it is by your power that we are here today. We know that this day was ordained before the ends of the earth were formed. That this is a divine and a holy appointment we are keeping today. Let your perfect plan unfold in this room today. Let your perfect plan unfold in every heart and mind in this room today. Some of us don't know why we're here. Some of us didn't want to come here. Some of us ran to get here and it was all according to your perfect plan. Have your perfect way today. Have your perfect way today. And may we emerge from this room with the insight and the information that we need to live your holy and divine purpose in our lives. For we know that millions didn't make it to today. 
Millions of our sisters didn't make it to today. So if we are here, there is a plan and a purpose for us. And for this, we are so very grateful. Let us take a deep breath. Let it out with a nice ah. And another one. Let it out with a nice mmm. Just give your neighbor a little squeeze. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. This is a good day. When Sophia and Marge recommended that I come today and talk to you, it was about healing. And that's what time it is. We are in a healing time. The thing that is so good about this time is that the universe is supporting you in doing your healing. I want to say that I'm talking specifically to women, but I really can't say that because we can't heal unless the men heal. And unless the men heal, we are going to delay our healing. So we need to be real clear that this is a time of divine healing on the universe. It's a time for us to really look at our lives and look at the divine potential in each of us and identify very, very clearly what it is that we need to do to live up to that divine potential. Some of us have to believe that the divine potential is there. Because we're still trying to figure out why we're stuck in Brooklyn. And we don't understand that Brooklyn can be a divine place when you are living up to your divine potential. Some of us are still trying to figure out why we can't, over, can't get over what happened back in 56. People dead, don't matter. We still stuck in 56. We still stuck in our first boyfriend back in the elementary school down there at Leffert's Junior High School. <laughs> But the universe has come and said, bring closure to those areas that are keeping you from healing. Bring closure to those relationships that are keeping you from healing. Bring closure to those activities that are keeping you from healing. And if you don't do it willingly and voluntarily, you're going to be forced to do it, Bill Clinton. Every time you deny it, Bill Clinton, I'm going to show you another witness. You know, there's something you can learn about healing. You will get the idea. After that, somebody will mention it to you. By the time you see it on television, it's time for you to get busy. All right? So we are seeing in the world around us, it's not current events, it's spiritual events calling us all to attention. Now, if you don't want your stuff in the globe, and if you don't want to be on 60 Minutes, I suggest you voluntarily step into a healing mode. And, and I know it is a challenge. I know it is a difficult thing to do. And I tell you not from theory. I tell you not from political analysts. I tell you from my heart that if you don't have the courage to do what you know you need to do, you will be forced to do it. And some of us, not anybody in this room, but some of the people you work with, they don't learn unless it hurts. And if it ain't painful, where they being dragged along with their business spread out in the street, 
They don't learn. I used to be like that. You know, you can be three, one of three different kinds of learners. You can learn when you have an experience and you fall to one knee. And you say, oh, let me get this together. Or you can learn by having experience and one knee go down, but you don't learn till both knees are down. And you say, well, I think I got it. But then some people are like me. I know none of y'all are like this. But some people don't learn until they flat down on their face in the mud. And the bug is crawling around in their hair. Then they say, maybe there's something here I need to work on. Now, I know nobody in this audience is like that. But me and the people you work with, we have an affliction. Affliction, where it was real hard for me to do what I needed to do. You know, the words would just kind of get caught up in my throat. You know, but when nobody was around, I used to practice my speech or what I, I was just gonna tell him and I was gonna tell her and I was gonna tell everybody and don't be telling me nothing. <laughs> but the minute you face to face with the person, the words are stuck someplace between your collarbone and your chin. I know y'all don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but me and the people you work with, see, I'm going to tell the truth and shame the devil. I had this affliction. Couldn't say what I needed to say. Couldn't do what I needed to do. You know, you know you need to do something or stop doing something. You know you need to leave them chicken wings alone. But it's like you'd be walking down the street minding your business and the chicken wings just be calling your name. <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken just send the smoke signals up. You look up, there's your name in the sky. You know, and you notice you don't have no business with them chicken wings. You be on your way down to the dime saving bank. You got to pass Junior. And if you pass Junior, you got to have some cheesecake. You wasn't going down there. You was trying to make a deposit in the bank. You know there's things you need to do, but for some reason, you just can't do it. And I, I know you all don't know what I'm talking about, but that is a painful experience. Because what happens when you don't do what you need to do, you beat up on yourself. You just pick on yourself. You pick and you pick and you pick. I should have. Why didn't I? I knew I was going to. Oh, I just... You just beat up on yourself. It's called self-flagellation. And every time you beat up on yourself in order to make yourself feel better, you make even a bigger plan. I'm going to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'm going to do 89 sit-ups. <laughs> By 5.15, I'm going to start praying. <laughs> then I'm going to meditate from 5.20 to 6.20. Then I'm going to start doing my journal work. You make these big plans. And your brain say, you ain't going to do that. <laughs> Why are you telling that lie? <laughs> and then you don't do it, and you have something else to pick on yourself about. I know you all don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just telling you all about my struggle, because I want you to understand that when I write a book, it's not that I'm telling you anything that I haven't done myself. Some days, I'm telling you, on a bad day, I am in my acts of faith, trying to figure out what valley I have fallen into. <laughs> Sometime I'd be down in the valley reading Faith in the Valley because when I fell, my acts of faith was up there on the top 
so I didn't have it. On a good day, I'm two steps ahead of you. On a bad day, you might be two steps ahead of me. So we have to understand that healing and growth and empowerment is not anything you do once and then you get it. You have to constantly work on it. And there are things that hinder your ability to be able to work. And it is those things that we have to work on in order to make sure that the healing not only takes place, but is permanent. It's not that you got to heal the corn on the toe, you got to heal the whole foot. It's not that you got to heal the eye, you got to heal the whole head. And see, if we just keep doing piecemeal healing, piecemeal taking care of ourselves, piecemeal love, piecemeal work, piecemeal purpose, we will never get to where we need to be. I want to explain to you. Explain to you that one day my soul just opened up. I wish I could tell you it was on a Tuesday or a Thursday. I wish I could tell you what I had on. I don't even think I had no makeup on. I don't know if Luther or Aretha were on the radio, but one day my soul just opened up and I found that I was at peace with myself. And if I was at peace with me, then everybody else had an issue that wasn't my issue. You just have to get to the place where you are at total peace with yourself. And one day my soul just opened up and I realized that it's not by power, it's not by might, it's not by your IQ, it's not by your GPA or your IRA. It don't matter what your W-2 form say. It don't matter what you do, it don't matter what you don't do. It is not by force, it is not by who you know, it is only by spirit that you are going to bring yourself into alignment with the divine plan and purpose for your life. One day my soul just opened up and I realized that God had a plan for my life and that that plan would begin to unfold if I would shut my mouth. I realized that that plan would begin to unfold if I became willing to do some stuff that would mean people would be mad at me. Let me tell you something. When you get on your purpose, people gonna start looking at you like you're crazy. Who she thinks she is? Who they think they are? When Sophia opened the Women's Development Center, they said, you know she crazy. She always talking about something that ain't got nothing to do with nothing. I bet when you got ready to leave Baton Rouge, they said, you can't go up there by yourself. When I left New York, they said, girl, where you going? <laughs> when I got off welfare, they said, how you going to make it without your food stamp? <laughs> what you going to do without your Medicaid card? But you see, when your soul opens up and you become willing to do the things that are good for you, regardless of what anybody else is saying, because when spirit starts moving, it'll move people right out your way. It'll move obstacles right out your way. It'll move the big miles right out your way. See, one day my soul just opened up and I realized the reason I couldn't do what I said I wanted to do was because I had been given lip service to my spirituality. I realized that I had been reading the right verses. Oh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want from now to payday. Oh, he that 
dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High didn't tell me where the key was. I knew all of the songs. Oh, precious Lord, take my hand, but just don't mess up my nail polish. I realized that I was giving lip service to spirituality. Because every time a problem showed up, Instead of me dropping to my knees, I was calling my girlfriend. Every time somebody talked about what they was going to do or what I couldn't do, I would get engaged in a debate with them. Not by power, not by might, not by what they say, but it is by spirit. And when your soul opens up, you learn how to trust spirit. One day my soul just opened up and I realized that I couldn't put my trust in people. I had to put my trust in God. People will disappoint you. People will disappoint you. Not because they're bad people. Not because they're bad people. I know about that. Yeah, they sure did. I'm just thinking about what they did to me back in 52. And I knew that was, I knew it was going to happen. Not because they're bad people, but because they are human beings. Just like you. Here on a mission. Here on a journey. Learning what they need to learn. The truth of the matter is, you signed up for this course just like they did. They're having their own tests. They have to turn in their own papers. They have the professors that they don't like. They got a supervisor are born in the same part of hell that yours was born in. People are doing the same thing you are doing. That's why we cannot put our trust in people. We have to put our trust in God. And when we put our trust in God, it means that we are willing to surrender our way to a higher way. It means that you're willing to give up your opinion for divine law. It means that even when you don't know which way to go, you know it's time to start moving, so you're going to pack. One day my soul just opened up and I realized the reason I couldn't do what I needed to do was because I wasn't telling the truth. I know y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I was only telling a piece of the truth on Tuesday if the moon was full and it was an odd number month. I wasn't telling the whole truth about what I wanted. Nothing will destroy a woman quicker than accepting mediocrity in her life. And far too many of us accept mediocrity because we don't have the courage to ask for what we want. If you want a husband that's 5'10", baby brown skin, don't accept him if it's 5'4", when his teeth in the car. When it come by and it don't look like what you asked for, you can step out the way and let it keep on moving. I wasn't telling the truth. Not about what had happened to me, but how I had contributed to the event. I know y'all don't know what I'm talking about. But some of us can see real clearly about how folks did us in, did us under, did us wrong, did us Tuesday, did us Wednesday, came back and did us Friday, then asked for change. <laughs> but we don't accept and acknowledge the fact that every time they came to do it, we opened the door. When you see crazy coming, cross the street. 
if crazy call you, use your little identity <laughs> and say that's crazy. <laughs> I ain't gonna answer this call. <laughs> if you look out the window and crazy is knocking, pull the shades down. <laughs> the same way y'all know how y'all be treating the witnesses when they come on Saturday morning. <laughs> Well, you need to do that too. I wasn't telling the truth. I wasn't telling the truth about how I felt. So I would let people come into my life, into areas that they had no business being. Outside people ain't got no business up in your marriage. And you ain't got no business up in there. People don't have no business up in your finances unless they are a banker, unless they're a banker or a CPA. We got people all up in our lives that don't serve no purpose. The dog catcher cannot help you with your health problem. We tell our problems to people who can't help us. 80% of them can't help you, and the other 20% got more problems than you do. But I wasn't telling the truth about that. I was just telling people what I thought they needed to hear because I was afraid they'd take their love away from me. I wasn't telling people what I needed to say to them about how they were operating, how I was allowing them to operate in my life. You see, when your soul opens up, you begin to take responsibility for your life. You take responsibility for your corn. You take responsibility for your hips. You take responsibility for what's going on in the bed sheets. You take responsibility for the bills. You take responsibility for every single aspect of your life. But in order to do that, you got to tell the truth. We're not taught to tell the truth. We are taught that K-R-A-F-T spells cheat. That is not true. <laughs> and nobody calls their baloney Oscar. <laughs> they say, give me 50 cent work. So if anything, baloney should be called 50 cent work, not Oscar. But one day my soul just opened up and I realized that the truth would set me free. If I began telling the truth, first of all, to myself about myself, about what I wanted and what I deserved, what I liked and what I didn't like, most of all, about what I needed. If I began to tell the truth to people about my experience of them in my life. Now see, when you start telling the truth, you can't just be reading people and shaking your head and telling folks stuff. You have to tell the truth tastefully. You have to tell the truth tactfully. You have to tell the truth with love. And tell it for a reason that's going to serve everybody involved. Don't just be telling people something because they got on your nerves. <laughs> What you have to do is develop zero botherability. You want to have zero botherability. That means no matter what is going on, your botherability meter will not move one iota. So that when you talk to people about their ex your experience of them in your life, it's coming from a place of truth. My experience of you is that you really work my nerves. <laughs> and because I have other things more important to do today, 
I'm going to uh, end this conversation. Love you. Goodbye. <laughs> My experience of you is that no matter what I do, you find something wrong with it. And since that stresses me and could make my botherability move, my botherability meter move, I ain't going to talk to you no more. So that's real simple. My experience of you is that you keep promising that you're going to do something that you don't do. So next time you promise me something, be real clear. I'm not dependent on what you say because I'm aware now that you do not honor your word. Tell the truth. When you see folk coming with a warning sign slapped in the middle of their head, don't act like you don't see it. <laughs> not only should you see it, read it and know what it means and how it's going to impact on your life. One day my soul just opened up and I realized that one of the reasons my life wasn't moving the way I needed it to move, wanted it to move. One of the reasons that I wasn't healing myself was because I was pissed off with God. I was pissed off. I could have been anything. I could have been a size five. I could have been a rich size five. And here I was, a size which we won't mention today. Live in some place where the, everybody was po. It's not so bad if a few people in your block got money. But when nobody in the block ain't got no money, that means y'all are all out of sugar at the same time. I don't know about y'all, but when I was little, we used to have to go get sugar and flour. You take your little cup and you go up the block, you get your sugar and your flour. But you see, when everybody in the block po, they want no sugar, no flour, no place in the whole block. So everybody was just out passing each other in the street with their cup. <laughs> what you got? Nothing. What you find? <laughs> I was pissed off with God. My brother had this wonderful straight nose. He didn't need that. I needed that. He had these fabulous, fabulous, big, fat legs. He didn't need that. I needed that. My girlfriend down the block had pigtails. Two. <laughs> she could have gave me a pigtail. Now why would God give her two pigtails and I didn't have no nubs? I had no nubs. <laughs> you know, we don't think about it, but you know, we really get mad at God about those things. Then, see, I was I was born in a time I won't mention. <laughs> when it was not fashionable to be dark. Not at all. And I was dark. I was dark. I ain't dark no more. But according to the standards of the time, I was dark. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Look, God, this is deep now. He got the nose. If you got to be dark, could you have a straight nose? Could you have a little hair? You know, if you were dark and had some hair, you could get by a little bit. But you got to be dark with a big nose, skinny legs, and no hair. This is a problem, God. But wait a minute. And no money. This is a problem. And I was pissed off with God. I was pissed off with God that he let my mother die 
I was pissed off with God that my father thought the street was more important than home. I was pissed off with God that I used to like James Jones and he let him like Michelle. <laughs> I was pissed off with God that my aunt's last name wasn't the same as mine and she used to sign my report card in a different last name and people be looking at you wanting to ask you personal questions but if you get the look <laughs> they really do go away and leave you alone I was pissed off that my aunt came to the PTA meetings with her wig on backwards she used to have her bangs on the back of her neck I mean, a few hairpins. I was just pissed off. I was pissed off that the first time I went out to get me some nookie, I got pregnant. I wasn't a bad girl. I was just curious. Studying anatomy with a live model. Some people had been running around. I know y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, she, she's spiritual and she's talking about... people, they get all meditated out and they just be floating doing all kind of stuff. I know y'all don't be meditating in no underwear. So anyhow, I got pregnant. Then I figured I'd fix it. Because you know when we get in trouble, we be trying to fix it. I know y'all don't, but I be trying to fix it. So I figured I'd get married. It's okay, because you know you got to be accepted by people. Because you don't want to be no teenage mother. And see, back then when I got pregnant, it was a disgrace to the whole block, to the whole community. Because them old folks, they wasn't about accommodating no conditions. It was a disgrace to your people. And even though everybody was doing it, everybody was disgraced. It was just what rank were you in the order of the disgrace? <laughs> Were you the first in the block or the fifth in the block, you know? Everybody went down south, came back with a cousin. <laughs> That's my cousin. <laughs> I was pissed off. I got married. With all the wonderful men in the universe, all the beautiful children of God, I married a nut. <laughs> Why couldn't a God sent me somebody nice? God being God and everything. Since I was just picking, he could have sent me somebody nice to pick on. So I was pissed off with God that I married a nut. I saw crazy coming. <laughs> Let it in, gave it a key. Fed it dinner. <laughs> but you see, in order for us to really heal, we have to look at it. We have to tell the truth. Because when things don't turn out in our lives the way we think they should turn off, we do get mad at God. And we hold God responsible. But one day my soul just opened up and the voice said to me, Fear not because of the awesomeness of the task. I will never leave you or forsake you. That the plan is written in my handwriting on the wall. And you can't fail. You can't lose. 
All you can do is come home to me. So one day my soul just opened up and I went home to God. I went home to God in my mind and I sat down and I wrote God a letter and I said, I am pissed off with you and I need you to help me understand why I had to be raped as a child, why I had to be left by my mother, why I had to be dark and short and fat, why couldn't I have money and a house in the hills? I need you to help me understand and one day my soul just opened up and God said, tell your story. Because your story will heal you. And your story will heal somebody else. Because every page in your story is like a pill. It's medicine. It helps you know just how strong you are. Because when you thought you didn't, couldn't make it, I showed you the way out. When you didn't know what to say, I told you what to say or I gave you the strength to be quiet. Tell your story, Miss Yamla. Because some people don't have the courage to tell a story. Some people don't have the mission to tell the story. But everybody is here on the planet doing the same thing. Everybody is here healing from the pages in their story. And if you just tell your story, it's going to fall on somebody. And they're going to hear the one thing that they need to hear. And if you dedicate your story to me, Missy Yamla, and if you do it without being afraid, if you do it without being ashamed, I will bless you. I will pour it down on you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over so much you won't even have no place to put it. Tell your story. Because your story will heal you. Tell God your story. Tell her the parts of it you don't understand. The parts you can't figure out. Ask for light in your own heart and your consciousness. And don't be a victim. As long as you're sitting on your story in anger, in fear, in shame, afraid you're going to be found out. You are found out. Because the only one you have to prove yourself to is God. And if you don't do it here, you're going to do it when you get in God's face. Tell your story. Stop being afraid that people are going to find out that you're not, or that you are, or that you can't, or that you did. Tell your story. Take it out of your heart and your mind and put it in a word form. And don't sell it to the globe. <laughs> your story for the purpose of healing yourself and as you learn to tell your story learn to listen to somebody else's story and don't feel that when somebody comes to tell you their story you got to do something about it learn to just sit there and be still recognize that you are participating in a divine healing process and all you have to do is show up and people will heal themselves in your presence. One day my soul just opened up and I realized that I wasn't here to struggle and suffer and drag myself around. That anything that I wanted, I could create it first in my mind because where the mind goes, the behind follows. And that if I found my behind, someplace I didn't want it, that I had to change my mind. You are a divine and a creative being. You have been given dominion, power, and authority over the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. The computer is an attempt to recreate your mind.
what does that say about those of us who are computer illiterate? What part of our mind is lying dormant? Are we just stuck in the trash in our mind? One day my soul just opened up and I realized that I had to download my files. I had to purge the system. I had to look at what had been poured in that was no longer purposeful. I had to look at what I had stacked away and stored away that was keeping me helpless and hopeless, that was making me a victim. There are no victims. You have tragic experiences in your life because you are equipped to handle them. You see, the best students get the hardest tasks. Weak students get them multiple choice tests. <laughs> you know, they can just pick their answers. But the good students, they got to fill in the blanks. And they have to do it in complete sentences. They have to cross every T and dot every I because they have been sent here on a special mission. And some of us get stuck in the suffering and the victimhood without realizing that we are good students. Some of us come here to sit in the fire. You got to be willing to sit in the fire. Some of us walk past the fire and wave. <laughs> Others of us see the fire and turn in the other direction. But you've got to be willing to sit in the fire. Because unless you got Teflon on your booty, <laughs> Unless you build up your fireproof cushion, little things and little people will knock you off your center. One day, my soul just opened up and I realized that it was time for me to stop playing around with my life. You see, I had a game. I wasn't playing to lose but I wasn't playing to win. So I was playing not to lose. It's real simple. The only way you win in life is to give 100% of your time, your energy, your attention to what you are doing at any specific time. 100%. Because what you do will come back to you tenfold. So if you give 50%, you get 500. If you give 90%, you get 900. But if you give 100% of your time, energy, and attention with truth, in love, it will come back to you. If you lean not on your own understanding, if you give up your pushing and your shoving and your power and your might, what you need will unfold in your life. One day my soul just opened up and I realized that I had to learn to be more afraid of not doing what God sent me here to do than I was of doing things that other people wouldn't approve of. See, I don't know about y'all, but I was a people pleaser. I know y'all don't know what I'm talking about. But me and the people you work with, we had a terrible problem of always asking other people's opinions. 
when we wasn't sure of ourselves. We had a problem about telling everybody our business. Get an idea, you got to call somebody and tell them. You got a dream at night, got to call somebody and tell them. Got to get the little kitty dream book. Look it up, see what the number is. Play the number, number don't come, you forget all about the dream. We have to learn that the only thing we've come here to do is to serve God. You didn't come here to buy a house. You didn't even come here to get a degree. Because there's some things that a PhD won't help you out of if you ain't got a GOD. <laughs> and those of us who walk around in a constant state of pain, in a constant state of complaint, in a constant state of I can't, don't know, don't have, in a constant state of this ain't right and that ain't right. Those of us who walk around looking at what happened yesterday instead of realizing the blessing of today. Those of us who are looking over there to see what somebody else is doing, running around trying to get credit. You ain't going to get no credit for none of this know how. Stop trying to get credit. Just give what you have of yourself where you are. Do what is necessary to bring yourself, your life, into balance. Stop holding on to people and things that serve no purpose in your life anymore. You know who don't serve no purpose in your life anymore. You know them size 10 pants in your closet don't serve no purpose. You know them pantyhose with the runs in them in your drawer don't still serve no purpose. You might have to look over and see who's in the bed with you. That may not be serving no purpose either. Do what is necessary to bring yourself, your life, into balance. Stop holding on to people and things that serve no purpose in your life anymore. You know who don't serve no purpose in your life anymore. You know them size 10 pants in your closet don't serve no purpose. You know them pantyhose with the runs in them in your drawer don't still serve no purpose. You might have to look over and see who's in the bed with you. That may not be serving no purpose either. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. My soul just opened up, and I realized that it wasn't about goals. It was about a purpose. That it wasn't about getting. It was about giving. That it wasn't about doing. It was about being. And when we learn how to just be who we are without the masks, without the degrees and the credentials, even without the goals that keep us striving and striving and striving and never allow us to just be blessed right where we are. When we learn how to turn our face up and pray the ultimate prayer of help me, I am a human being, and I have created some drama that I can't figure out. <laughs> when we learn how to do that, when we learn how to say to people the truth of who we are, instead of prancing and dancing around in veils, impressing folk, controlling folk, you can't. The time is now. 
The time is now. And one day my soul just opened up. And I realized that before I could save my people, before I could heal my children, before I could make a man happy, before I could make some money, before I could impress anybody, that I had to heal some stuff in me. That I had to take off my clothes and stand naked in front of the mirror. And stand there until I could, first of all, stop laughing. <laughs> and then stop crying. I had to stand naked in front of the mirror and realize it was a blessing that even though things had fallen down, they had underwire bras to pick them up. I had to say, okay, okay. We got lumps in our thighs. That's okay, they sell them smoothies on sale. I had to look at me and stay in that mirror naked. Because it wasn't about where I had been or what I had done or where I had come from. It wasn't about my people or my community. It wasn't about my intellect or my education. It was about me getting right with my creator. And one day my soul just opened up and I became willing to give up everything and everybody to get to that. I had to give up the man and the job and the money and the kids. I had to acknowledge all of the things that I had put before God. I had to acknowledge the things that I was afraid of because for me, you know, God ain't no fun. You know, when you start hanging out with God, you can't do fun stuff. Because I was religiously abused. Raised in the Pentecostal church where everything was a sin. So, you know, if you start hanging out with God, you can't have no wine. You can't have no nookie. Can't talk bad about people. And you definitely can't watch Jerry Springer. So one day my soul opened up and I said, I got to be willing to give all of this up to gain one thing, my soul, peace of mind, self-acceptance, self-value, self-worth, self-love. And the longer I stood in that mirror, naked, getting okay with me, the better it became. One day my soul just opened up and I realized that I was on the planet to serve God, to awaken to my God self, to awaken to that part of me that knew the answer, that knew what to say and how to say it, to awaken to that part of me that was love and peace and joy, to awaken to that part of me that wasn't about struggle and suffering. One day my soul just opened up and I realized that the only reason I was on the planet inhabiting the flesh form as a female was to do what brings me joy, to make myself happy, because God is happy when I'm happy, to do what I was good at, even if I didn't make no money at it, to do what I was good at, because it made me feel good, and to find a way to share what I was good at with other people in a way that would make them feel good. One day my soul just opened up, and from the bottom of my soul, 
a place that I had never been. Not with the best lover or the best food or the nicest dress or the baddest hairdo or the baddest pair of shoes. And y'all know, I do shoes. But from a place in the pit of my soul, I reached down and I said, Father, Mother, use me. Have your perfect way. And it was on that day that all of my humanness fell to the side and the spirit of love came alive. Be blessed.